morning. It's good to see you guys. You know what's even greater than that? The weather. Isn't that awesome? I brought in some warm weather even coming in, man. It keeps getting warmer, so it's awesome. Hey, it, it is awesome to see you guys here this morning. Um, you know, as we sing these songs, I, I just really am moved by the lyrics. I hope you guys really tune into the lyrics, literally kind of lean into the lyrics of these songs. They're powerful songs. And we sing them. And, and one of the songs we sang at the Adrian campus this morning was, um, I believe, and it, it's the creed, you know, I believe in the, uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Virgin Birth, and kind of working through the creed, and we sang it. And, and to me, it just, again, resonates with what we say is truth, right? Where we say, this is what we believe. We believe in these things. As a Christian, as a follower of Christ, I believe in these things. But but as we sing these songs, as we sing these lyrics, it really, I think it begs to ask, we have to ask the question and say, do I truly believe in these? Do I believe that this is truth? Because we live in a world today and have been living in a world like this, but it seems like it's getting exponentially more intense um, is the question of what is true and what is not true. Right? I mean, things that we used to think were, man, these are rock solid foundations that we build on have been literally shattered. And now it's kind of like, whoa, what just happened here? You know, and things are getting debated. Things are getting challenged. Uh, things that we would say, man, this is truth. This is absolute truth. Um, people, it, it gets challenged. It's churches, there's churches that we've seen that have um some of the, their foundations have eroded and where you kind of just step back and scratch your head and you're like, man, I would have never thought in a million years I would ever hear that this church or this domination now believes in this or doesn't believe in this or uh, has kind of left it open for debate, you know, in a sense where some of us would say there's no debate here. This is true. This is absolutely uh, based upon truth. And so um, as we enter into this next series called Famous Last Words, uh, it really comes down to that. Do we truly believe what Jesus said? Because he, I hope you guys understand from reading the scriptures, he laid out some very audacious claims about himself and about things. I mean, extremely audacious claims. Uh, and, and, and as we look at those, and we're going to look at some of those as they pertain to his um, his last words before he went to the cross. And we're going to talk about those things um, here for the next few weeks leading up to Easter. But today, I kind of want to set up this whole thing by talking about um, truth. Now, in our world today, uh, we uh, have a tool that can be a curse and a blessing. What do you think that tool is? The Internet, absolutely, you know. The Internet is just a, it can be a fabulous tool where we can gather, uh, we, we can go and get information extremely quick. Uh, quickly, we can go, we can research things, we can entertain ourselves, stuff like that. I mean, it's just, it, it can be a very profitable tool. On the flip side, it can be a tool of Satan too, right? Uh, and some of the other things out there. Um, I don't know about you, but there's times where you pull up Facebook or you pull up the Internet and stuff and you see these claims of truth and you read them and you're like, whoa, you know, like things about our government or things about um, just uh, things, things, you know, companies that we have bought our phones through, you know, one of those latest things, you know, uh, and and just all kinds of stuff. And so you read these things and, and it makes you kind of, at least it does me, I kind of sit back and think, is this really true or is this one of those you know, one of these things where someone kind of puts out there and it kind of runs off into space, you know, and people buy into it and all this other stuff. So there's another place on the Internet which we go to that is seems to be the um, place where we can authenticate any of these things. And that site is called. Wow. 
Are we that deceived? I heard it one over here. Does anybody, you guys know? You think you know? Just say it out loud real quick. Well, what? I need to write down a couple of these other ones. One I've heard of was Snopes. You heard of Snopes? No one's heard, write that down, Snopes.com. Alright? You ought to check that out. Snopes.com is the one thing where you go and you say, and, and you ask, I mean, you, you put in there, uh, you've heard these claims, you know, like Applebee's is leaving Adrian. <gasps> Snopes, da, 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 da. is Adrian, is Blissville, you know, is Applebee's, whatever it is, going to leave, you know, stuff like that. And it comes back and it'll say, this is a, it'll have facts and things like that of either authenticating the claim or saying that it's, it's not truth. So now we need to figure out if Snopes is really <laughs> true or not, but I've always banked on that. So now my foundations has just been rocked a little bit here this morning. Anyhow, but Snopes is one of those things uh, where you can go and you can kind of check it out to see if it's true. But what about like the faith? What about our faith? I mean, that's one thing that's getting really rocked anymore is, is like the foundations of our faith. The things that we said, I believe in God the Father, I believe in God the Son, I believe in God the Holy Spirit, I believe in the virgin birth, I believe that He uh, was crucified, he, he rose from the dead three days later, I believe that He ascended, I believe that He is the only way to, to God. I believe, and all those things are getting questioned nowadays. I've had multiple conversations with individuals that says, mm, I don't know if I really believe, I think he is, he is a way to Christ, but I'm not so sure He is the way. Jesus said that He was the way, and he also said, it's a passage of scripture we'll get to here in a minute, but he said that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. That's an audacious claim, is it not? And so he threw out some of these uh, audacious claims, and, and it comes down to, do we truly believe that, or do we not truly? Is that truth? Now, this whole question of what is truth has been around forever, okay? Um, even before Jesus came onto the scene, when you kind of study the, the philosophers that were um, doing their thing before, you know, up until Jesus came, uh, they had their their beliefs on, you know, how you could ascertain truth. In fact, one of them was either um, Aristotle or Plato. I forget which one. Uh, go figure, right? I forget which one um, says, and I'm joking because the next statement I want to make implicates me. But one of them said that the only way you could know truth is that you had to be ontologically gifted to ascertain truth. So it goes to figure out, I forget which one it was, right? Because I'm not ontologically gifted. Not a, cool, not a joke. Okay, good. Um, anyhow, so, so, okay, think about how that would flush out then. If I came to you and I said, you guys are not ontologically gifted, you're not a smart enough, parentheses, there you go, you're not smart enough to ascertain truth, so you have to rely upon me going and ascertaining truth, and then I'll come back and I will lay it out for you, right? Now, some of you would laugh at me like, yeah, right, you know? But other, I mean, that's how it was then. And, and, and so you had the separation. You know, why do you think it was such a huge issue then? I sh well, I mean, a huge issue when the Bible became interpreted in different, la in the common people's language. Because now the common people can, quote unquote, ascertain what is true and what is not true, which if it was, you know, one of the theories was the reason why it wasn't done before because it was a way to control the masses, okay? So, again, that's just a thought, but it makes it would make sense. And so you have this million-dollar question until Jesus came and said, what is truth? In fact, if you remember the whole story, when Jesus was getting ready to go, he was arrested and he was going through his these mock trials, in a sense, and he gets before Pilate, Okay? And he gets before Pilate, and in John chapter 18, verses 37 
uh, through the first half of 38, we read about this. And it's right before he was crucified. He was, again, standing before Pilate. Turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 18. John chapter 18, verses 37 through 30, first part of 38. And it says this. He's, he's having this conversation. Pilate says this. He, he makes a statement. He says, you are king then. Or you are a king then. And Jesus answered. And listen to Jesus' answer. You are right in saying I'm a king. In fact, for this reason I was born. And for this reason I came into the world to testify to the... Okay, when I point to you, that's where you guys say the word, right? I... Okay, well, hang on. <laughs> Half a point awarded right there, but I get, you know. Um, I, I come into... The, I was born and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of listens to me. And then Pilate asked the million dollar question. What is, what is truth? What is truth? That's a question we still ask today. We hear things. We may, you know, you may hear me say something. You're like, whoa, okay, what is, is that really true? Is that truth? Is that in the scriptures? Which you should be doing that. Is that, is that really truth? And Jesus says that He's come to testify to that truth. And He says that everyone on the side of truth listens to Me. What is truth? Now, here's the, here's the point that I want to make right off the bat is this. Whatever it is that you believe will be demonstrated in the way you behave. Whatever you believe will be demonstrated or determines how you behave. I, it, and it doesn't matter what it is. Take whatever behavior you've got going on. Whether I, It doesn't matter what it is. It could be completely far away from God or it could be tucked up next close to God. But whatever it is, deep down there's a belief that determines that behavior. Now that's a hard pill to swallow, isn't it? Well, now you're telling me that, you know, there's times where I do, you know, I've got my habits and my hang-ups and I don't really like it, but I do it. But but that doesn't mean I really believe in it. Then why would you do it? At some point, there's a value attached to it. At some point, there's something that, that, that gives it positive reinforcement. There's something there that you say, if I do this, it's going to feel good. If I do this, it's going to help me get out of this situation. If I do, and whether it's right or wrong, then it becomes something that this is what determines some of your behavior, what you believe, you truly believe. Now, this is where it gets tricky. If that's true, then, now we enter in, let's bring another person into the cast here, another character, and whose name's Satan? Whose name is the devil? His name is Lucifer, okay? Those of us that believe that that is truth and that there is a Satan and that there is a literal hell, the Bible, which the Bible does talk about this individual by the name of Satan, devil, Lucifer, whatever you want to call him. There's some things about him that, 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 that Jesus talked about, that Jesus claimed about him. And in John uh, chapter 8, verses 44, the first uh, 44, second half of that, it says this, The devil was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. That's what the Bible says about Satan. 
So you've got the truth out there, and then you've got this cat that comes on the scene, and the only thing he does, his whole, his whole identity or whatever you want to call it, is he is the chief of all liars. He is the father of all lies. His native language is lies. Or our lies, what is lies, right? And then it says, so, so you got him that's, that's out here, and the one, the number one thing that he wants to do more than anything else is to distract us from this, right here. That's the number one thing he wants to do. He's going to lie. He's going to deceive. He's going to plant seeds of deception in your mind. He's going to plant doubts. He's going to do all kinds of things. Okay? And it's not just about the cross. But it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus and His ministry. It's about Jesus being the Son of God. It's about Jesus being the Creator of the world. It's about Jesus saying, Jesus said, I've come to give life and I've come to give it to the fullest. Really? Does, does Jesus really mean that? So, so you're telling me that seriously, I mean, you're in this situation right here, man. It, it, wouldn't it be easier just to kind of share a little, just kind of be a little, just kind of go off a little bit. You don't, don't really lie, but just kind of not tell the truth. And he starts planting those seeds. Because Jesus says, I'm the one that has come to give life. And if you follow me, if you believe in me, if you surrender your heart to me, if you just live in me and let me live in you, you're going to produce spiritual fruit. You're going to, you're going to produce things that, 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 that's going to be unfathomable. You're going to, you're going to become something that, that you've been originally designed to be. Really? Really? It's, it's a little bit hard, man. You know, and so, and so we, we, Satan starts planting those seeds. We read about him clear at the beginning, right? In Genesis. We read about God creating the world, and it was good. Everything he created, and it was good, and it was good, and it was good. And he created all things. And then we read in chapter 3 of Genesis. We don't even get into the creation of the world that long, really, if you just kind of looked at it from that perspective. We're, we're chap, three chapters into this, and Eve's walking around the garden. And this snake, serpent, whatever you want to call it, begins to talk to her, which is kind of odd anyhow, right? Apparently that wasn't that odd because it didn't scare her off. And she begins to have this discussion with this serpent. And what does he say? Did God really say that you cannot have anything in the garden? That's a lie. Right right out of the gate, that's a lie. It's a deception. Did God really say you couldn't have anything in the... That's not what God said. God didn't say that, did He? God said there was what? One thing. There's only one thing that you can't have. And so, and so this, this Satan, the chief of all liars, comes. And he's trying to deceive. He's trying to deceive Eve. He's trying to get her off path. He's trying to, to, to persuade her. He's trying to, to get her to, you know, to, to, to eat, to sin, to, to part ways with God. And he enters into this discussion and she kind of, she falls into it. And then Adam comes along and falls into it. Now, every person born after that, we get this curse given to us right out of the gate that, that, that basically we're separated from God right out of the gate. Because of what happened back here. Because of the chief of all liars lying to them and them falling to that lie. And that's exactly the same thing that Satan wants to do to you and me today. He, he may not come out with this big outlandish lie. He may not come out and say, hey, I need you to go kill your father. At least I hope he doesn't say that to my kids, right? Because they might follow with that one. But, I don't. but he may not come out and just say something big and grandioso. I mean... Some of the things that, you know, we think it's like, okay, you know, it's like we can catch that one. You know what I mean? But it's those little things. Really? Is that what that person said? Are you sure that's what that person said? 
Well, hey, I tell you what, I know that's what that person said, but they really meant this. They really meant this. Or I know that's what it appears to be, but that's not really it. It's really this. And once we start down that little deviation, it can end up, I mean, it just takes us way off. Deception. Some of us live absolutely defeated lives because back here we bought into something. Back here we bought into this little lie. We bought into this wee little seed that was planted. This wee little seed that was planted back here and now we are off. We're off. And that's what he does. And all it does is bring destruction into our lives. And as a Christian, he will never be able to take us out. I don't believe he'll ever be. I don't believe he will ever be able to take us out of the hand of God. I don't think he has that power. But I want to tell you something. He can make our lives literally a living hell. Some of us as Christians, we're just we are just off point. We've bought into it and we're off point. It's like the story I told you last week with my counselor, or my, my instructor who's a counselor, having that conversation with that male, the warlock, that male witch. And he, and he made this statement. He said, he said and for those of you who didn't hear it, he said, this, she was counseling this, this warlock that had gotten out of it. And, and, he was, he was, and he was sharing this. And he said, at one point he was trying to cast a spell on someone. And as hard as he tried, he couldn't do it. I mean, he tried and tried and tried and tried and tried. And he said he kept feeling like he was up against a wall. And he said later on, he realized the reason why he couldn't do that is because that person was a Christian. And he said, I kept feeling this wall. And then he said, I kept, I, and, I, and, I, and at some point I would kind of see a light. And he said, but I could not get in there. I could not attack that Christian. I couldn't get beyond that. And then he said this. If you remember what I said last week, he said this. If Christians only knew the power that they have inside of them, the world couldn't stop them. Why is it that the why is it that we're stopped all the time? If that's true, which I believe that is true, the Spirit of God, Paul says, lives inside of us. If the Spirit of God lives inside of us and reveals to us all things that are true, why is it then that you and I can doubt what God tells us to do? Why is it that we just kind of back up and we just say, you know what, that's true. I, you know what, we can't do that. We can't, I can't do that as a person. We can't do that as a church. I, we can't do that as a family. We can't do, I mean, we're, we're, we're done. We are done. We just step back and we sit down and we're defeated. And then hopefully what doesn't happen, but what can happen is we'll take a few more down with us and start saying, well, this is what I think. And we start spread, you know, and we don't mean to, but that's what happens. All because Satan comes in. And just plants that little seed. And it's not truth. It's not true. But yet we bite into it and we fall. Listen to what Paul says in Romans. And he said, this is what happened to mankind. It says in Romans 1, verses and some verses there, it says this, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godliness and the wickedness of men who, what? Suppress the truth by their wickedness. Suppress the truth by their wickedness. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Isn't that what we're seeing today? 
in our world where people are beginning to exchange the truth of God for lies. And the Bible says that's what that's what's going to bring the wrath of God on you. That right there. So real quick, I want to share with you two of Satan's greatest weapons. Okay, and this is all about talking about truth, because I believe there's no I mean, we talked about some of these things in this past series that we just did. And then as we're going into this next series about about Jesus, famous last words, if you don't believe Jesus is truth, then you might as well just check out because the rest of this isn't going to make sense. You're not going to buy into this other stuff. Hopefully that's not what you do. Hopefully you understand that you're being deceived and you're going to say, whoa, wait a second. I'm not going to be deceived. This is truth. And I believe this is what Jesus said. And I believe the claims that Jesus made about himself is, is true. And that, that that's what is true. Satan will use two things. It's prevalent within our, our society today. Here's the beauty of Satan. There's nothing new. There's absolutely nothing new that he's going to conjure up. Every person, I mean, throughout the Bible, we read about his same, the same antics over and over and over again. What's mystifying is, is how we buy into it, right? Talk about sanity or insanity. Um, we buy into it, and, and it's, he's been doing it all along. The first one is relativism. Relativism says there's no absolute truth. There's no absolute truth. Think about it. If we can eradicate God, if we can remove God out of the picture because God is the one that's supposed to be absolute truth, so if we can get to God and move God out of the way, then everything else is okay, right? It's like taking our laws and shoving them off and saying, hey, everything's okay. That's awesome. I feel much better now. Because now the stuff I do, there's nothing wrong with it, right? Because we've removed absolute truth. And that's how you remove absolute truth. You say that God doesn't exist. You say that there's not a God. Because what then do you scrub up things against? Does that make sense? You hear something. Someone throws out something. You hear this thing that they say is truth. And you say, okay, is this really truth? You go to the Word of God. You begin to study the Word of God. And you realize this isn't truth because you believe that truth is the Word is God. And so everything is scrubbed up against the Word of God. Everything is scrubbed up against God. But if someone can take God away from you, then what do you have left? Everything's free, right? Everything's open. Everything's free. So then we don't have to worry about anything, right? We don't have to worry about anything. The things that I do is not wrong anymore because what, who says they're wrong? Relativism. It plagues us. That's what we are experiencing in our world today. And... People are falling to it. Even it seems like even like like dominoes, you know, uh, nowadays, and it's scary. It's scary. The second one is subjectivism. Now, with relativism, relativism again is removing removing um, removing God from the picture. Did I skip a slide? Back up. Is that am I, this? Yeah. Okay. Go back to the subjectivism. Subjectivism says that I determine what is right and wrong. Now, that's a cool place to be, isn't it? I'll determine what is right and wrong. Because I guarantee you, now, are you ready? Everything I do is going to be right and everything you do is going to be wrong. Correct? Isn't that what we do to other people? Well, I wouldn't do it that way. Let me tell you how to do it the right way. Have you ever had those people where you're working in a project and they're kind of just over your shoulder entirely? You just want to take your elbow and drive it through their teeth? You know what I mean? It's like, uh, it doesn't matter what you do, it's going to be wrong because it's, it's their way, right? It's their way. It's, it's, it's like, it's subjectivism. 
I would determine what is right and what is wrong. Therefore, what I do, and we hear this, this is the big slogan right here. This is the tag right here. If it doesn't hurt anybody else, then it's what? It's okay. If it doesn't hurt anybody else, it's okay. Because there's no truth, and I'll determine what is true and what's not true. So then I get to do what I want to do. It gives me a green light to do what I want to do. And those are the two things that Satan has been using forever and ever and ever. And we continue to buy into those two lies. Relativism and subjectivism. We buy into them on a constant... Our world buys into them on a constant basis. Some of us sitting in here buys into those two lies. You know? We buy into them. Here's the deal, though. We need to understand what truth is. And here in the next few moments, I I just want to share a couple points with you. And then I want to... Truth is not just a what, but it's a who. Okay? And and again, you would probably... This is probably a common sense statement, correct? In the Bible, we read about this in John 14, 6. I've already quoted it once. But in John 14, 6, it says this. Jesus answered. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Really? Let's go back to subjectivism and relativism. Okay? Really? Really? Jesus, you're saying... I don't know if I can buy that one. I've heard people say this. We, you, some of you may have said this. If Talking about, well, there's got to be more than one way to God. There's got to be more than one way to God. Jesus says, I'm the way and the truth, and, the, and, and no one comes to the Father. Now, when it says no one comes to the Father, I kind of read that as saying, like, there's no one that can get there except through Jesus, right? Well, what about the people that hasn't heard about Jesus? And if God's that, like that, if God's like that, how can I serve an unloving God? And so we start going down this line of subjectivism, subjectivism and relativism where we say, I don't know about this, you know, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is saying he is the truth. And that is an audacious claim. That is a very bold claim. Listen to what John says. Uh, the Gospel of John, the writer says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Now, let's take these two verses and kind of run them through the grid of relativism and subjectivism. You have people that will say, well, there's not a God. There's not an absolute truth. Maybe people, and just something to think about, maybe people are more confused or maybe they get a little sidetracked when they start confusing people that say they're Christians with God. Does that make sense? Because there's times us as Christians, we say, okay, you know, we proclaim that we are Christians, but yet we doubt at times. There's times where we may say, well, that's not true. There may be times where we do things that is absolutely not true. And it's hard not to because we've got our we've got our addictions. We've got our hurts, our habits, our hangups. We're human, right? And so a lot of times people can look at us and they can see some. What's some of the things? What's probably the top two things that people say about the church itself? Number one, what is it? Hypocrites. They're it's full of hypocrites. Why do I want to go to a church full of hypocrites? I've heard that. I don't know how many times. Here's the issue. We are, that's true, right? That is true. We are human. There are times where we, we fall well short of the glory of God and His grace. And if people, and again, I'm not condoning it, but if people look at us, they're not seeing the full image of God. They're not seeing truth. 
They're not, hopefully we would, but sometimes we can see, so we got hypocrites, the second one, so I can finish my other point here. The second one is what? People are, say it, judgmental. Those are probably the two biggest things. They're hypocrites and they're judgmental. And it's so easy for us to be that way. Jesus said this. He said, I'm grace and I'm truth. He can embody both because he is God. He is truth. Sometimes people look at us and they say that we fall well short of that. And, and again, some of that may be just because we're human and we repent and we, we, we realize where we're weak. And we go back to God and we say, God, man, please forgive me. Because I've fallen short once again. I've gotten off the, please forgive me. Let, you know, um, I, I, I love you and I'm human and I'm struggling here. And we're very genuine with that. Some of us will say this. We'll, 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 we'll struggle with, say, like gossiping. And instead of saying this is wrong, we'll say, well, I'm only talking to this person so that we can pray for this other person. It's like, that's a good one. And people look at that, and that's what they see. But God, but Jesus embraces both grace and truth. Now, I hope that people don't look at us as element and see us being that way. I hope they see God shining through us because we believe that Jesus is the only way and that His teachings are the only way that's going to provide life. And His teachings are the way that's going to, to, to give us sustenance and, and, and fulfillment. And we buy 100% into His teachings and we're saying that is what I believe. And that is how my life is going to be patterned. And I'm going to be this person uh, following Jesus. Jesus is, um, Jesus, it's the who, Jesus is truth. The second one is this. And it goes into what we were just talking about. Jesus is the truth that can set us free. In John 8, 32, it says this. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you what? Free. Let me, guys, let's be, seriously. I mean, this is so, this is so common sense, but this is where we get lost as humans. Do you realize that is exactly where Satan wants to put you? In a position where you're not going to understand truth. Because if you don't understand truth, if you can't understand truth, if you're going to remain foggy and deceived in the truth, you will not be free. Ever. You won't be free from your addictions. You won't be free from your habits. You won't be free from some of the things that you struggle with as a human. You will never experience freedom because you're not, because you haven't experienced that truth and you're in that sense of, of being convoluted in your thought and not having clarity on what is true. The truth will set you free. That is the last thing that Satan wants you to experience is freedom from the bondage that he's got you deceived in. It's the very last thing. And he's going to fight like tooth and nail. He can't destroy your salvation, but he can certainly make you live a miserable life. And for some of us, we're Christians, we're following Jesus, and we're miserable people. We're miserable. I mean, let's be honest. At times we're miserable because we're not set free. We bought into the deception. And it, and it just, it, it just literally can, it, it goes through and it becomes very toxic and we become toxic individuals. The truth will set us free. Listen to what the second verse says here. It says, so if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. You will be absolutely free indeed. Jesus embodies the truth. Now, I want to go, I want to go really just personal with you right now After, okay i wanted to use this message to set up where we're going with the famous last words but i also want to go back to where we just came from 
When Jesus asked those questions, why are you afraid? If we knew the truth, would we be afraid? When, when he, came, he went to the blind, you know, his blind guys and, and he said, do you really believe that I can do this? Understanding the truth, hands down, absolutely, we, under, we believe 100% that you can heal us physically. 100%. We're not afraid. We believe wholeheartedly. Do you want to be made well? Yes, I want to be made well. Yes, I want to face my addictions. I want to face the ugliness in my life and allow you to change it and allow me to become well. I think that's a continuous journey, guys. I think that's a continuous journey. And until we stand and see Jesus face to face and receive our new bodies, I think we're going to struggle in this human shell. I know that doesn't sound very encouraging, but I truly believe that. And I believe it makes this even so much more powerful to say that if I can understand and believe in the truth, I'm going to experience freedom. And even as Jesus shares with me some things where I'm coming up short and I can become more like Him and I can become more free and more free and more free. I don't, I don't get hunkered down. I don't get discouraged. I don't get fearful. I don't get depressed. But I allow myself to be open and surrendered and contrite to His Spirit. And He comes and He changes me and He allows me to come free and more shackles drop off and more shackles drop off and more shackles drop off. I believe that that literally transforms us individually as well as it does corporately. And this is where I want to talk to you corporately. You know, you know some of the um, difficulties and uh, I shouldn't say difficult, but some of the hardships we're facing like with the Adrian campus. I believe that God has us exactly where we're at. But I believe more importantly that we believe that God can do whatever He wants to do in and through us, whether it's in Blissfield or Adrian or wherever else. And the question becomes, do we truly believe that? I believe that God wants to take us and use us. There are people that are far away from God that does not know Him. And if we truly believed... Can you go back up to the slide that says, um, I am the only way? John 14, 6, there you go. Guys, here's the problem. A lot of us will reject this because we'll say, well, God's an unloving God. Well, let me ask you a question. What if it comes down to you and I being more foot soldiers for Jesus than us eradicating this truth? Is it, you understand what I'm saying? Do you think there's people in Blissfield that doesn't know Jesus, that, that He wants us? He's, he's so desperately trying to position us and maneuver us so that we can have some conversations. We can be the individuals that He uses to reach other people. If that's not the case, then why doesn't God just, as soon as we're saved, why doesn't He just take us to heaven? I mean, why doesn't He just take us to heaven? What if there's more to this? What if there's more to this reconciliation process that he's in where he's saying, I want to use my church. I want to use my children. I want to use my, my, my children to go and to share the gospel, to be the light, correct? To be the salt and to go out and infiltrate a world that is lost and dying and separated from me. They're going to live in eternity, in, in a Christless eternity. And so my question becomes, or my statement, I guess, becomes, I believe that God is, is, is all about positioning His children, His church, to, be a, to, to have a vibrant ministry where they're at. And I, guys, I'm not convinced 
There's no way someone's going to sit down and tell me why God can't minister to people in Blissfield or Adrian. I, I, I'm not, I, I won't even sit down with you. There's no way. There's no way. God is an absolute huge God. God is willing. He's wanting to do so much more than we can imagine. Read Ephesians. And when we start taking him and bringing him down to a little box, I'm checking out because that's not me. There's no way I'm going to put God in a box so that I can understand him more. No, I would rather be in a position where I keep, where God keeps stretching me. And as he keeps stretching me, he keeps bringing me in deeper. And, I, and, and, I, and I'm allowed to see more of him and more of him and more of him with each time he takes me and stretches me and allows me to change because I'm living in a surrendered, contrite position with him. And I pray that's who we would be as a church. I don't, we're, we're not defeated. We've won the war. That's the beauty of the word of God. We've won the war. We get to play a game on the winning side. And if that doesn't excite you, I don't have anything else. God is calling us to do a ministry in Blissfield and Adrian at this point. And I could see him opening the gates if, we, if he had the hearts. I could see him opening the gates because, again, I'm still wondering, what's that point where we say, well, that's the one thing that God can't do? I don't buy that. I don't personally buy that. And so I'm asking you, I'm asking the, the our church, I asked um, the Adrian campus as well, but I'm asking you guys. I want us to get on our knees and I want us to pray. I don't want to be defeated by Satan. We're not going to be defeated by Satan, but I don't want to buy into his lies and his deception. Us as a church. I want us to be contagious, contagious individuals for Jesus Christ. I want us to be individuals when we go out in our world, people are going to see the movement that Christ is doing in our lives. And they're going to ask, what in the world, how in the world can you go through a situation like that and be so calm or be so excited or be so positive or whatever it may be and we're able to share with them Jesus Christ. And I'm asking you guys, I want us to pray as a church. I want us to pray. I want us to fast. I want us to, I want us to open ourselves up to the power of God and what God wants to do in and through each of us, personally and corporately. So I pray that you would do that. I pray that we would get serious with this and we would, we would have praise, we would have these celebrations and these stories would come back about how God is using us to change our community and change our, our work environments and change everyone around us. So I'm asking you, please, would you pray? And we've got hurting individuals within our body. And we need to pray for them and lift them up. We've got things that where this world just, it happens to people. And we need to pray for them. We need to lift each other up and encourage one another and just, and just pray for them. We have a church that's full of good people. Our heart, there's a lot of awesome hearts at Element. And I can't imagine what God would do if, it, if, we, if the doors just exploded and we allow, and allowed Him to just literally consume this place. I can't imagine what it would be like because it, he's, he's positioning us and we just need to, we need to pray and we need to um, eagerly follow. And so as the worship team comes back, I want us to stand and I'm going to lead us into a word of prayer. So if you would, go ahead and stand with me and
Father, I thank you for the word that, uh, that you give us. I thank you that we don't have to wander around in the darkness, but uh, we have your word that reveals so much of you to us. And I find it very fascinating the more that we read your word, the more we read the Bible, how alive it is, how we can read one verse a hundred times and we go back to it that one more time and it just explodes off the paper and means something completely different to us. Father, I, I give you such praise about how you reveal yourself to us in other ways as well. I thank you so much for who you are in the life of the element. And Father, you know the people that are hurting within our body, the people that are experiencing uh, the, the heaviness of life. And I pray that you would just minister to them right now. I pray that they would be completely sold out knowing that you are the truth. And the claims that you make throughout your word where you will never leave us, you will never forsake us. And Father, I pray that we would be able to see where Satan is keeping us in bondage. Where our lives are wrecked because Satan continues to deceive us. And I pray that we would find, we would look to you and find that truth and let the shackles just fall off of us and experience life and experience life to the fullest like you promised. I pray that we would be personally changed and corporately renewed and revitalized and re-energized and we would be a force to be to reckon with in these communities of Blissfield and, and Adrian and beyond as we already are. I just thank you for your word. I thank you for your presence. I pray right now that we would respond, we would open our hearts to you and respond to, to his leading, his promptings, and that we would do that in a way that would bring you glory. And I pray and ask all this in the powerful name of your Son, our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.